0: Expounded Universe, Season 10, Episode 1, Forest Balls, the book, Han Solo at Star's End by Brian Daly, the year, 1979, with your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go. <music> Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars novel discussion podcast where we discuss Star Wars novels. And nothing else. We never go off topic. Never. I'm your i I'm your steadfast stays the course host, Jeff. Joined as always by your never goes off topic host, John. Always steady. Always on topic. Mm-hmm. Placid, one might say. Unhurried.
1: On time. Every time.
0: That's right. And uh and never once do we digress in any way. It's all Star Wars talk
1: here. That's right. Star Wars top Mm -hmm. to bottom.
0: That's all we ever do. So uh I'm Jeff and that's John and I'm Jeff.
1: And that's John. And I'm John and that's That's Jeff.
0: (laughs) Boy, am I glad that he's there and we're out here.
1: (laughs) But where's the sheriff?
0: What I want to know is where's the caveman? Yeah, uh so anyway, we have started our brand new book. Uh, for the show, because we just wrapped up with Crucible, and I thought it'd be kind of fun to go to the other end of the scale uh, when it comes to the timeline of the Expounded Universe, so much so that this book technically, and I have to be honest with you folks, technically doesn't count as an Expanded Universe book. No. Oh, no. There's a whole different Han Solo trilogy that does count as Expanded Universe stuff, but this, much like Splinter of the Mind's Eye before it, is so old that it predates the technical beginning of the EU, which was those Timothy Zahn books, the Heir to the Empire stuff.
1: Now, it does still have the Legends tag, though. So it is still within the same grouping.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I think it gets the Legends tag because everything... Uh, prior to when Disney bought stuff, became legends. There's nothing that didn't go legends at that moment. Oh yeah, but this wasn't part of the old expanded universe. I'm pr- I'm fairly sure. I- if nothing else, it's very rare for things from this book to get re uh, like used elsewhere beyond the very basic concept of the location they're in, which is a nonsense location.
1: Huh. Huh. I mean, honestly, I'm gonna say that I really liked the tone for a lot of what was being described in these first couple Mm -hmm. chapters because so much of the other expounded universe nonsense we do whenever we take a book and we're like let's talk about this so much of it is the writer has seen all the same movies and read all of these books and you know as we gripe on every alien is just whatever they were shown to do once that's what the whole species is
0: Yeah. Yeah. And this book, by definition or by circumstance, cannot possibly be that.
1: Exactly. Uh, The fact that aliens show up and it's just like, oh, yeah, I don't know what the hell these guys are. There's some random crap going on. I can just make up shit.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, this isn't beholden to some kind of like Star Wars encyclopedia, like a lot of the other books are, because there isn't one. This book is so old that it was written before Empire Strikes Back.
1: Yeah, so you don't have to have things where he's like, and then a uh, Deveronian showed up, and I was like, hello, are you also a bounty hunter because that's all your people do? And yeah, instead, he's just like, oh, I found some weird race, and I've never seen them or heard of them before. Anyway, and I'm like, (laughs) great.
0: I also kind of appreciate Han's don't give a shit attitude regarding the, because it's all written from Han's perspective. So when he meets other alien species, he's just like, I don't know, it's some kind of biped with a loose pouch mouth, whatever. Who cares? Does it have any money?
1: Yo, pouch mouth, you got my cash?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I mean, I, I appreciate what's going on with these books. It, It's a very different take on Han because it isn't based on, you know, a romance with Leia or... Uh, the kind of cocky demeanor that he started picking up after the freezing and carbonite stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's neat. Plus, it's just Han and Chewy. There is no men, there's not even the Empire in this book.
1: No, they are not an Empire space.
0: Yeah, they're in the corporate sector, which right early on in this book, they, uh, they de- describe the basics of the corporate sector, which is a 250 plus star cluster with dozens and dozens of pristine inhabitable worlds But no intelligent species on any of them.
1: Yeah, it was just, oh, this section of space just didn't evolve sentient life. And so these guys just moved in. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. And uh, later on, I think it didn't happen in this series of books, but the corporate sector started showing up on maps in Star Wars continuity. And I feel like they made it way worse. Like in the beginning, it was just, oh, this is just a neat part of space where it's basically a playground where you don't have to discuss colonialism or whatever because uh, every planet is up for the taking. But later on, it, the <laughs> the history for this place came came into existence. It's this whole thing where where like um, uh, th- this is where corporations were sent to go do business so that the government could get on with governing already.
1: You go do business with businessmen and we will govern with government mans.
0: Uh-huh. That's like the actual the story behind this part of the galaxy, luckily not in these books. In these books, this stuff's just great. So Han it, we we open on Han uh flying around in the Falcon because that's what he does best.
1: Yep. And he's flying into a planet and Boy Howdy, he's a smuggling He's smuggling plums.
0: Mm -hmm. But he's smuggling a cache of weapons to someone on the planet. He has made it a a point of contention in his mind to know as little as possible about whatever the hell he might be doing here or what the point is.
1: Oh, yeah. And I mean, I I do appreciate that, because especially as a pre-New Hope Han being like, nope, I just do the job. I don't give a shit. I don't want to know what you're doing, because if I know what you're doing, then I might have to tell someone about it
0: exactly it's great it's uh the author brian daly was really like look this is han pre new hope so he's not nice yet
1: like he hasn't found anything to really give a shit about yet
0: yeah he's still trustworthy enough that you know you consider hiring him to ferry you and an old man to alderaan but uh but he's not yet like oh i'm completely gung-ho for the new republic and and I don't know what a force ghost is, and I don't even give a fuck. <laughs> what? Sorry, that was more Harrison Ford than... Hokey religion. <laughs> I know. Uh. So so he's diving in on a planet, and there is indeed some resistance to that idea. There's uh, patrol ships out here from the Corporate Sector Authority.
1: Now, he's coming in on the night side of the planet currently... Where he was like, all right, most of the traffic should sort of be slow or non-existent over here. But unfortunately, there is at least one uh, ship out here that senses him mm-hmm. coming in.
0: I also appreciate that this book doesn't necessarily have the ship names that are developed over, you know, 30 years of uh, of encyclopedias and stuff. So everything's just like lighters and sail rigs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a corporate sector authority lighter or light patrol craft out here somewhere, and he's trying to avoid contact
1: with it. Uh, so he f- I mean, he fails because it does detect he him, fails. <laughs> and he's like, yes. "Well, shit!" Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and so he immediately dives into the soup or the uh, you know the, the atmosphere of the planet.
1: <laughs> soup. He dives oh, into sadly. it. Sadly, delicious.
0: I mean this uh, an Zaddy existed in the history of Star Wars at this point, but it didn't have that name. Oh. It was just weird soup hookah guy still. Huh. Actually, based on everyone in that that uh Star Wars production, the first one got silly names, so his name was probably like Weebus Wubbus or something. I mean
1: probably. It was like Dingle Dang Yeah.
0: <laughs> they probably called him Snoopy Sales. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so 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 Han is diving into atmosphere to try and dodge this this ship and then he starts doing some fancy flying.
1: Yeah, we get a lot of, uh, you know, Han and chewy back and forth, really just trying to do their whole, like, okay, you make sure that all the deflector shield things go in this direction, and then I'm going to go and spin us around here, and I'm going to try and do a maneuver such that we can, like, get past a guy. Like, it's very Han and chewy and it's also just like, oh, I'm going to go down to the surface and I'm going to spin through a canyon and like hide in a thermal vent so they can't detect us and shit like that.
0: Yeah, it's all stuff that at this point we've seen Han do dozens of times, but it's kind of exciting because he's never done it before here. Um, also, weirdly, I don't even remember the name of this planet. I don't even know if we ever get over it. I think it's Daroon. I think so, yes. Um, it's a planet with multiple biomes on it, which is not very Star Wars.
1: Not very star wars because they just decided at some point that every planet was a thing and that's all it was
0: yeah which honestly i appreciate as a story convention i don't it doesn't bother me when you're when you're dealing with star wars i know people like to point out that it's unrealistic that you know tatooine would be all desert but i kind of like it as a setting note
1: i mean it's interesting because then you can just be like okay this is what the planet is and you don't have to worry about like well why didn't they touch down in whatever place if this place on the planet sucks so much and you just get to go look every place on the planet sucks it's fine
0: <laughs> yeah i mean no one bitches at super mario galaxy for having entire planets that just have bees on them
1: <laughs> bees my planet's covered in just... bees <laughs>
0: so anyway um so, yeah, when he when he comes down, there's, like, thermal vents and lava chambers everywhere. And I'm like, okay, it's a standard lava planet. I'm up to speed. But then he flies through a canyon and comes to a jungle. And I'm like, ah, cool. The planet, this this planet has different stuff.
1: There's more than one thing here.
0: Yeah. And in what I have to assume is the establishment of a great tradition of Star Wars novel writing. He has to fly through a canyon that's so narrow that he has to fly sideways to slot through the walls. And it knocks off his, uh, his sensor
1: array. Yeah. Because you have to. Like, you just have to. You have to.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, they ought to attach that thing with, like, a string or something so it could just dangle behind the ship and get reeled back in.
1: (laughs) I mean, honestly, they should just have, like, a little crank where they put it inside the ship, and then as soon as they're done flying sideways, they just crank it back out again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's it. Or it should just come off with, like, a novelty spring noise. (laughs) Uh, yeah but but anyway that he scrapes off the deflector dish same as always uh and does some more fancy flying is fairly certain that he's managed to fly low and long enough if by staying in thermal vents uh that the radiation will have scrambled the sensors of the uh, the CSA trying to chase him down by the way c- great coincidence that the corporate sector authorities acronym is CSA that that that's not just me right mm,
1: mm, mm. uh
0: he's pretty sure he's managed to dodge these guys um so he sets down in a jungle where he was supposed to meet with his buyers in the first
1: place. Yeah. And, you know, he's just hanging out, chilling in a jungle, waiting for people to show up. And sure enough, out comes Pouchmouth and uh, friends.
0: <laughs> well, before before Pouchmouth, he's hanging out in the jungle with Chewie. And he immediately tells Chewie to go fix the, you know, go look at what the, the part I knocked off the ship. But while he's waiting around, a green orb comes bouncing out of the jungle.
1: Oh, yeah. We do have a little bit of the native life.
0: I don't want to miss the local col- color. A green ball comes bouncing out, sort of floats around in a spot on the ground in front of him, extudes a pseudopod to look at him, and then just bounces away again. <laughs> nope. wee <laughs> Pass. Nah. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about eating a smaller thing than you, but I only eat other balls.
1: <laughs> Boy, do you. This is. <laughs> I'm out here looking for forest balls. This
0: is a ball powered ecology
1: <laughs>
0: you can't fool me. it's balls all the way down here and
1: and Han just nods sagely
0: <laughs> yep, yep, I've been to a ball planet or two in my time in my time <laughs> hey chewie, it's a ball planet
1: <clears throat>
0: an ugly planet
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you said it was a ball planet
0: <laughs> uh so eventually, yeah, pouch mouth shows up he's he, there's aliens kind of appear out of the jungle. And uh, one of them steps forward to Han, who, you know, Han's like, hey, are you the buyer? Because he is very, very business here. He does not want to get involved with these people.
1: No. And it, I mean, there's even a point where they're like, you know, we're going to try and use these arms so that we can fight back against the corporation who made us slaves. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Shut the fuck up.
0: I do not
1: want to hear it. Do not tell me. The less I know, the better. Just take these guns. Mm hmm.
0: So he's here with a big shipment of special guns that are perfect for jungle fighting. Uh, he notes that the the guns in particular, there are more powerful guns now, but these guns you could leave them sitting against a tree in a jungle for a decade and they just work when you pick them up again. Yeah. So they're they're very useful insurgent fighter guns. The uh, the the being that comes on board the ship to collect them is surprisingly straightforward and businesslike, outside of the one time where he tries to get all, you know, Che Guevara about everything. Uh, but eventually. Han's like, oh, I feel kind of bad for these guys that I'm being so mean to them and just trying to kick them off my ship. So he gives the the dude in a lesson in how to be a guerrilla war fighter.
1: Yeah. He's just like, all right, like, let look, me give you some tips.
0: Mm-hmm. His tips aren't bad. It's just, you know, there's... Uh, the enemies around here, the corporate sector authority guys, or espos, as they are called, have a tendency to abuse big sawed-off blaster cannons that can shoot forever. So he's like, don't ever keep your gun on auto fire, keep it on single shot. That way you always know to just shoot at the guys who are hosing bullets and not the guys who are shooting one at a time in the dark.
1: Yeah. Because the, basically anyone who's going to be on the SPO side doesn't give a shit. They've just got big guns that can shoot forever. So there's like, that's fine. They'll just put it on auto and fire forever. And you just hang out, pick your shot, single target, you won't confuse yourself with them. You'll be able to find them because they aren't trying to hide.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad the alien, the, the alien responds by just being like, yes, thank you. We will do that. And then off in the distance, Han hears a blaster goes off, go off, which is strictly against what he had agreed with these guys. He was like, you cannot use or make noise with these weapons until I am gone.
1: Yeah, I don't want to get caught and, up in your bullshit.
0: Yeah, and the, the, when the gun goes off, the alien's like, look, man, we had to be sure. And then they, they turn and leave.
1: Yeah, and even and then, Han's, Han's like, like, yeah, that's, that's smart.
0: That's fair. I mean, Han's an amoral asshole, so he's not going to be that judgmental of another one.
1: Yeah, he's like, no, you you had to assume I would be fucking you on this one, so, you know, good on you for testing it.
0: Yeah, so uh, at this point, the aliens melt away into the jungle, and Han's like, ha-ha, Chewie, I think they might just make it after all. <laughs> but they won't. No, they won't. They'll get, they'll get ground under the boot heel of the corporate sector authority.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've got... Essentially just some disgruntled runaway workers who were promised a better life and then just turned into slavery who have some guns against an entire giant evil corporation sector.
0: It sucks and it's sad and Han's not going to fix it, which I appreciate because it's atmosphere.
1: Yeah, he's just like, man, I gave him the best I could give him, which is just some advice. They didn't pay to get on the Falcon and leave, which could have been a thing they paid for. instead, they just wanted guns, so fuck 'em they got guns.-hmm.
0: And then Han's like, all right, well let's get the uh, the gear ready and let 's get out of here." I, I really like the, the way that this played out. This was kind of a neat look into Han. There is one thing about this author that I feel like has been lost in future Han solo writing. Oh uh this dude is obsessed with Han as sort of a cowboy like he he spends so much time talking about Han's like blaster holster setup. Yeah, I like he's way into it.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's sort of the one of the things you could really do with a just Han solo story is to take it that direction because without true. And- like Jedi and the whole empire thing, you don't really have the sort of science fantasy so you have to sort of lean towards that science western.
0: Yeah, and I think that's this is a lot more of a, a Firefly vibe that you're getting off of this. Because, yeah, there's no there's no wizards here, uh, force-powered or otherwise. So his reputation as a, a fast gunman precedes him and actually means something. Yes. In, in future Star Wars books, it would be like, oh, that guy's an incredibly good shot with his DL-44, and he has a specific holster arrangement where he can hit fire really well, and it doesn't fucking matter because lightsabers.
1: Yeah, but who gives a shit cuz he's about to fight someone that's like hey i've got the force just literally pouring out of my ass and i'll i'll deflect your <laughs> blaster bolts with my ass force
0: it's uh it's what's his face the, the that darth guy with the 17 lightsabers sticking out of him and we've never seen him from the back before and oh boy
1: oh boy he sure does have a lightsaber coming out of exactly where you would imagine it would be
0: I'm sure he's just happy it's coming out.
1: <laughs> Better out than in, I always say.
0: <laughs> I mean, if he just had, like, the the hilt of a lightsaber just sticking out like a tail in the back, you'd be like, that's Aww. that's unfortunate, buddy. buddy. <laughs> but no, in this, in this book, we're doing a lot more of a kind of... Wild West cowboy thing where, yeah, the corporations have moved in and started imposing law on everybody, but there is just enough wild territory left to support smugglers and freedom fighters and cowboys. And the only law that matters to them is the law of the gun. So, I mean, mean, especially
1: because they're sending it in the corporate sector, they're like, we're not dealing with the like strict jackbooted law and order of the empire We're really dealing with the sort of looser, open-to-bribes, corrupt uh, corporate sector that breeds these kind of criminals.
0: Right. I mean, granted, I'm I'm intensely aware of the whole gunman thing because I've read these books before. This is like the first Star Wars books I really got into. And I know that they introduce a nemesis for Han who's just like a different kind of cowboy gunman.
1: I am also a cowboy.
0: <laughs> he's he's like a riverboat gambler compared to Han's like white hat. Oh. I mean I don't want to get into him because I think he might be later in the book that we're reading. I mean, it's, you know, uh, note for the show real quick. <clears throat> this is actually three books. There are we have there's Han Solo at Star's End, which is the one we're starting with. But then there's also Revenge and the Lost Legacy, and we're gonna take them one at a time and see how we're feeling because these books are based on my memory, really good. I don't know if they'll make good radio.
1: Yeah. I mean, so far, like just these two chapters that we did, Mm -hmm. each sort of within themselves have a neat set piece. They do something, they set something up, and they deliver on it. And that's not a thing you normally get.
0: (laughs) That's true. There's not a whole lot of empty setup in these chapters. Uh I, I mean granted a lot of that is because of the laser focus on Han. Like there isn't a chapter written from the point of view of the narrator describing the construction of a large imperial thing.
1: Yeah, we don't have to jump over to other characters. We don't have to be like, "Oh, well, we had already established that, you know, Chewbacca was actually over here a couple books ago, so now I have to write in why he's not." Like it's just here's an adventure I don't need to worry about anything else. I am not beholden to any book or man mm-hmm
0: no i am very much a fan of this style this it's a it's a lot looser uh and at the same time it's a little more a little tighter because it's just a focus on Han. There is a single sub chapter and either anything we've read so far where it cuts over to Shizor and he does nothing but gloat
1: yeah we i mean we get a small bit from an antagonist point of view here but all it is is, ha-ha, I am the antagonist, and I am setting up a trap for Han Solo. Bah, ha, ha ha And then that's it.
0: It's true. Uh, so Han, to get back to the story, Han tells Chewie to get the ship ready to go, and the two of them are prepping, and Han thinks, okay, we they don't know where we are, so we're just going to go as fast as we can and try and get out of the atmosphere into hyperspeed uh, before they get a chance to to shut shut us down in any kind of way.
1: Yeah, if we're lucky, then... The one ship that was looking for us won't be, you know, still around where we are right now. And it's still, like, early enough in the morning that we shouldn't have standard traffic going yet. Uh, Unfortunately, luck is not on their side as that ship is just straight up waiting for them.
0: Yep. So Han goes to full speed, just darts out of the atmosphere as fast as he can. Unfortunately, the other ship... Must have had a fairly smart commander because they predicted that and they're waiting in super high orbit for him. As he makes their way to make a pass uh, or pass them, they hit him with a tractor beam and start diving down towards the surface with him in tow. Yeah, they're. And and, uh, he doesn't have. He has very little time to react to this.
1: Well, yeah, because there's like, ah, shit. Well, I'm in the tractor beam and he's like, Chewie, I'm going to do some dumb bullshit. (laughs) I need you to put all of our shields front. Until I tell you to put them all in the back, because he is <laughs> just going to play chicken with this guy.
0: Which, honestly, I feel like that's what you automatically do when someone puts you in a tractor beam anyway. So, yeah, they put him in a tractor beam. They don't even try to contact him. And uh, he just flips the, the engines into gear and goes diving straight at the ship.
1: Yeah, he's like, well, all right. Uh, you, a... want, you want me to come to you? Let's do it.
0: Let's do it extra fast style. So he goes darting towards the other ship. And eventually, the other ship loses their nerve, breaks the tractor beam, and starts to bank to one direction.
1: Yeah, they get to get, you know, not like any sort of super damage or anything, but a couple shots off while they pass each other. And then, you know, this isn't really a, like a fighter or a battleship or anything. It's just sort of like a light freighter that they put some weapons on that's after Han. So Mm -hmm. it takes a moment to, like, all right, well, we dove past him, we've got to, like, slow down, turn around, get back in course, which means they've got plenty of time to get the fuck out of there.
0: Indeed. And, you know, they, they shoot him a bunch on their way out. They they As they're passing the ship, they take a couple of angry pot shots at it, and the ship is so fucked up by the, the last-minute turn and ditch that it's falling into atmosphere, and it's going to take him a lot of evasion tricks to get out of crashing. So... Han has successfully escaped and they blast out of out of orbit. Meanwhile,
1: (laughs) meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, (laughs) I
0: thought thought you were going to say something. Don't worry, that'll all come out in the uh, in the sound (laughs) edit. Everybody, this is going to sound weird, like nothing went wrong, but totally something did. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I am just so much better at this when you're around.
1: It's true, because then we've got cues to play off of visual cues.
0: Oh, it's killing me. I mean, we could use video, but it, it honestly doesn't really help.
1: Well, I mean, you don't want to use video right now. I'm in full quarantine. I don't think I've gotten out of this bathrobe in three days.
0: Ugh. OK. Fair enough. Fair enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <It's>,
0: <laughs> all right. So uh, anyway, we cut to the planet Eddie 4, E-T-T-I-4. 4, yeah, one Eddie 4. Yeah, and I'm kind of wondering about that, because uh, this is the second time we've seen the word Eddie.
1: Yeah, well... Uh,
0: Wumdi, the Eti. I think Etis are near-human. I don't imagine that they're from around here, because, again, they're sentient, so they can't be.
1: <laughs> I mean, you never know.
0: I mean, they might have settled here hundreds of years ago and and eventually adopted the name of the planet as their own name.
1: Uh, who can tell?
0: Not me. Who could Who could possibly tell? I, I certainly don't know. Uh, but apparently the Etti are a sentient species of humans who are originally native to the Galactic Core... Uh, oh, sure enough, they are from this planet. I just looked it up to make sure. <laughs> Great. Okay, well, in case you were curious, they are from the planet Etty 4 uh, in the future corporate sector. Huh. They settled before the corporate sector was dec- declared the corporate sector.
1: All right, well, there you go. Yep. Yeah.
0: So there is a connection between 1D and this planet.
1: Well, good. I'm glad yeah. we've sorted that out.
0: Anyway, Han is wandering around the spaceport of Eti 4, and he is just pleased as punch. You can almost hear Superstition playing as he just sort of struts happily around this this uh, planet, just thrilled because he's gotten a lot of money recently. Yeah,
1: he's got, like, some lockboxes he got paid in, you know, not, like, cash, but a bunch of gems and valuables and things like that, so... Yeah,
0: specifically he- in gems and crystalline vertices, which I am very curious as to what they are, but... Honestly, it sounds cool and uh, evocative, so I'm into it. Way better than credits.
1: But, you know, he then trades all those in for credits.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, for a corporate sector authority cash voucher. I I don't even know if the credit has made its way out this direction.
1: I don't know. I mean, because you have to imagine the imperial credit is only backed by the empire, so it has to Mm -hmm. be whatever the corporate authority uses. Yeah.
0: And I have presumably some form of cash but he's wandering around just pleased with himself and happy as can be through the uh the spaceport and Chewbacca's bugging him because Chewie wants to go pay off their like loan shark.
1: Yes, they owe money to Pluvo 2 for 1.
0: Yeah, Pluvo 2 for 1, which is a rad name.
1: <laughs> Sounds like he's going to try and sell me a sausage bun in anchmore pork.
0: <laughs> I mean he might, but that would be cutting his own throat. <laughs> uh no pluvo two for one is the i mean get, keep in mind that this guy had only been able to see new Hope, so he had never heard the name job of the Hutt.
1: yeah actually wait, he had heard Jabba. no he knew Jabba existed but this is a different yeah. guy that he owes money to yeah and i yeah. also appreciate that that they didn't just immediately go like oh well it's han solo we have to tie something into Jabba the Hutt."
0: no this is all way before then uh well i mean i meant diegetically I, I couldn't remember whether han had had uh or or I'm sorry, not die- non diegetically. I don't I didn't know whether Brian Daly, the author of this book, had ever heard Job of the Hutt before. Yeah. Uh but he has, because I think Greedo mentions him before he gets blasted. Yeah. So uh so yeah. Uh, I- anyway, Bluvo's just some big dumb fat human with a top
1: knot. Yeah, he's just a like like a criminal middle management. Uh huh. He is the go between between like the actual higher ups and the criminal element that actually does stuff
0: yeah but i mean ultimately you get an idea of what he is pretty much from the one sentence where chewie's like we got to go pay the loan shark and han's like oh yeah don't worry about pluvo i know exactly how to handle him we got this covered i just got to make a quick stop uh and indeed they do they go to a pet store
1: (laughs) yes there is a pet store on this planet that because the corporate sector is full of the idle wealthy they're Want to be like, oh, well, what do I do with wealth besides show it off? And one of those ways is to get weird exotic pets, and mm-hmm. they go to the the one that is most well-known for being well-stocked with the weirdest and dumbest pets.
0: And that's Sabador's. So Sabador is the proprietor of the best pet store on Eddie 4, and somehow Han knows about that. I have to assume he's been here before.
1: Yeah, I mean, I ha- it kind of sounds like this is the sort of place where you would be if you were Hans type. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, it, it makes it out to seem like this is sort of a disreputable area. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not a great place to be. I don't know if you, if you looked up what Sabadar is, he's a Recreerian. One of the things I also appreciate. <laughs> All I know about is that he is
1: Sabadar Gigante. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, his flavor is huge, but, uh, but no, he's a requirian, and th- one of the things I appreciate about the Brian Daly books is that he doesn't shy away from making the aliens very alieny. A requirian has like ten legs and a vagina, on what it would count as its chest.
1: Yeah, it's, which I think is it's like a a weird centipede flesh monster.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a it's like a. Uh, like a Lovecraftian centipede totem pole. And it's, it's great. Yeah. Also, he is one of my favorite types of stereotypes when it comes to store owners for one scene in one crime crime story, (laughs) which is the store owner that doesn't want to sell you one of his
1: things. (laughs) I love that because he's like, Oh, you want to buy a thing? Great. Now money has filled my eyes. And they're like, I want a little dinkus. And he's like, Oh No.
0: I can't possibly sell you a... I think it's called a dinko.
1: Yeah, but, but I like but, dinkus.
0: <laughs> I would like your finest dinkus, please, sir. And he's like, I couldn't possibly sell you a dinkus. I, a dinkus would kill you.
1: <laughs> you need a pet seller that sells weaker dinkuses.
0: <laughs> or some some sort of weaker pet. Uh, but no, he he wants this dinko. And Sabador's like, oh, I definitely have a dinko, but I'm going to try really hard to talk you out of it, because dinkos suck.
1: Yeah, they they stink, and they're mean, and it's one of those things where it's like, oh, no one even knows how they breed, because they can't even stand to be around each other. Mm -hmm.
0: But they're really small. They're basically like evil chihuahuas, so they're basically like chihuahuas.
1: (laughs) They're... They got little spiketies all over them, and they got stink glands and venom glands.
0: Yeah, they're poisonous. They can fire stink-like skunks. They have pinchers built into their chests.
1: Yeah, they are so they're mean just little horrible. assholes.
0: <laughs> they're the worst. Uh, I I would love to know if there's art of these little guys. I, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, but... But uh, he, yeah, so but again, one of my absolute all-time favorite things in these books is when when uh, someone tries to buy something in a Star Wars store, and the st- shopkeeper has to be like, "Oh no, 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 no! I couldn't possibly exchange money for value.
1: <laughs> I have one of these, but I don't want to sell it. <laughs>
0: That's not what I do here.
1: <laughs> <sighs> uh
0: Anyway, uh, Han's just like, all right, well, I guess I'll go to one of the other pet stores and just get a dinko from them. And he's like, oh, very well, I'll get you a dinko. Fine.
1: If a dinko he wants, a dinko he shall have.
0: <laughs> I just looked it up, and dinkos have, like, a scroll and a half worth of information because other people picked up on these little guys and ran with them.
1: I mean, there's no way that you read about a dinko and you're like, oh, dude, I gotta make one of these things attack a guy. <laughs>
0: I popped open the thing and it's like, okay, well, they just look like ugly, ugly, ugly little lizards, according to this. But it's like uh, something about Darth Maul crushing one with his foot, but Darth Sidious had already seen him. It's just a whole bunch of crap about those two. Oh, good. Yeah. Anyway, Han buys the Dinko, and then, you know, he's like, look, I'll get out of your store if you can do me one more favor.
1: Yeah. I just I, need you- <laughs> I love that. He's like, oh, it'll be a real comfort for you to get a paying customer out of your store, so I'll let you do me a favor.
0: <laughs> I mean, why is this guy even stocking dinkos if he doesn't want to sell them?
1: I just, it's so weird. It's, a, it's a, like you say, it's one of those things that happens a lot, and every time you're like, hey man, if you don't want to, just don't have it. <laughs>
0: Imagine that in real life, like you walk into a car rental place, and you're like, hi, yes, I would like to rent your finest Mazda Miata or whatever the fuck, so I can go to the, I can leave this airport, please. And they're like, oh, sir, I couldn't possibly rent you a car. You might crash it.
1: (laughs) Or if you were specifically like, yo, I need, you know, an SUV, and they went, oh, wouldn't you rather have a nice compact? Ooh, the SUV might be too much for you.
0: It's got a high center of gravity. (laughs) It would kill you. Uh... And you have to be like, look, I am willing to give you the appropriate amount of money for this item. Can I have it? Oh, I
1: really would prefer you didn't. (laughs) I'd like to not.
0: Uh, But you have a price for it behind you, and it is for sale here, yes? (laughs) Oh, quite, yes.
1: (laughs) It's policy that that we don't let anyone rent this without mm, a shitty discussion first.
0: (laughs) Is it me? Is it you won't rent it to me because you perceive something wrong with me about that? where I would be a bad fit for it?
1: Maybe. <laughs> no, I do this with everyone indiscriminately. Regardless of what their choice is. <laughs> I just like to fuck with people.
0: Yeah, so he buys the dinko. And-
1: <laughs> I just now I'm just imagining someone comes in, can I have a dog? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs>
0: A dog's not right for you. You have to feed it every day, and it needs to go walkies. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm prepared to deal with those situations.
1: Are you? Are you willing to make that devil's bargain?
0: (laughs) Uh, Now remember, don't feed this dog after midnight,
1: or it's going to get real gassy.
0: (laughs) So he eventually buys one and kind of cons Saboro, or what's his name again?
1: (laughs) Sabado Uh, Higate.
0: Sabador, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sabador. He he cons Sabador into doing a couple extra failures for him first. Uh, Oh, and also he only pays half price for it.
1: Yeah, he's just being a real dick about this. I assume... Because he's like, Oh, I realize that this is one of those idiot merchants, so I'm just gonna strong arm him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because first the guy's like, Yes, I have a dinko, but you don't want a dinko. Anyway, I'll go get the dinko. And then and then Han's like, I'll give you exactly half the value of the dinko. Obviously you could you will sell it for any price because you don't want to sell people dinkos. <laughs> Which means all I'm doing is being the person who gets this Dinko out of your store so you don't have to have this conversation anymore. <laughs> I'm doing you a favor. Uh, anyway, he wants the Dinko sedated and placed in an opaque box, which is kind of a giveaway as to what's going to happen now.
1: Yeah. Now, we, as mentioned, do check in with uh, Pluvo2for1, hanging mm-hmm. out at the <laughs> the Pleasure Dome.
0: <laughs> I believe it's a stately
1: Pleasure Dome? Uh stately wayne manor
0: (laughs) uh pluvo's hanging out in the corner off a corner booth of a big dance bar where gravity controls are a feature so that people can dance in zero and low gravity
1: yeah and you know they also cater to if you're from a low graph planet they can make your booth lower gravity so you can be more comfortable uh it's a very high-end upscale sort of uh not quite brothel, but there's still, like, ladies who will dance with you for a price?
0: Yeah, I was about to say, it's super high-end for a place that has a lot of, like, bee girls in it.
1: <laughs> I think you mean a lot of fly girls.
0: I do not. But sure, yes. Also, yes. Yes, and? There's all these women. They're all, yes. <laughs> yes. And also a lot of moth girls, because they like... they're from low-gravity planets, commonly. Yes. Commonly. Commonly. Uh, yeah, but we have to check in with Pluvo because we have to know in advance that Pluvo's a bad guy who was playing to betray Han.
1: Yes, he hates Han Solo. Han has just sort of jerked him around before, has been late giving him uh, payments, and has embarrassed him in various ways. And he's like, well, I can't just call the cops on him because then i will never get work again because it will get out that i betrayed someone
0: yeah he can't narc
1: yeah no he's like i am in the criminal element it is what i do so if people are like oh if he doesn't like you he just calls the police on you no one's gonna want to do business with him
0: exactly so instead he's going to well, we find out what it is a little later, but he has a whole plan for how to deal with Han Solo. He's like,
1: oh, I won't even need to call the police. Everything will take care of itself. Oh, you're so smart, Pluvo.
0: is <laughs> described repeatedly as a giant, jowly, fat guy with a top knot, and whenever he laughs, all of his parts jiggle.
1: I only imagine him as being a bulldog man. and Oh,
0: is that where you're going? Instead I kind of a pictured human. hoggish, greedly.
1: Like I, I am just full on imagining just a anthropomorphic bulldog.
0: <laughs> I'm into that. That's a very BoJack Horseman kind of thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> we we go back to Han entering the lounge, and sure enough, there's Pluvo. We skip right to. It's nice that we go right from Pluvo's point of view to Han looking at him. So they they walk into the into the free flight lounge, which is the name of the bar they're in, I think, and the pleasure dome. Is it both? It's the uh, there's, it's... Oh, it's the Pleasure Dome with a section of the place is called the Free Flight Lounge.
1: Yes. I was like, there is basically the area that you get the Zero-G dancing in, which is the Free Flight Dance Dome. Ugh. Mm-hmm. But then...
0: That, 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 that name could use some work.
1: Yeah, that's a... It's a little much. Mm-hmm. But, yes. They are not in the uh, dance area, although they are approached by one of the many Fly Girls.
0: No, oh, yeah, Han has kind of an overreactive rea- uh, response to her because she comes, you know, oh, a new customer, and she comes flitting over, and she's like, hey there, mister, buy a girl a dance or whatever, and he's like, yeah, of course, let's get married. Let's get sewn together.
1: <laughs> yeah, I want to spend time together. Get real close. I want to get inside your body.
0: And then, you know, he's like, not tonight. And she's like, oh, okay, I respectfully nod to that. It, it, you know, I feel like she would have been more likely to respectfully nod if he had just been like, No.
1: Yeah, but instead he got real (laughs) weird and creepy, and then he was like, but not right now, baby doll. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, okay.
0: Anything to get away from whatever that was. (laughs) Bye.
1: (laughs) Please never talk to me again. Woo!
0: (laughs) And then he heads over to Pluvo's table.
1: Pluvo's got some goons, but... uh,
0: Yep, just basic goons but at the moment we're still in everyone's being friendly mode so he's just like bluvo it's always good to see uh
1: yeah i mean they aren't at the table with him he's alone at the booth but the goons are all mm-hmm. around
0: him yeah there's obvious goons
1: and uh they go ahead and take a seat at either side of him uh at the booth do haunted and chewy
0: and wouldn't you know it Han drops an opaque box on the table he's
1: like i got your money right here buddy
0: Mm-hmm. And Pluvo looks excited about the prospect of sweet, delicious money.
1: Oh, he's got dollar signs in his eyes. He is howling <laughs> and slamming the table,
0: <laughs> just humping the leg of anybody who's nearby because he's a bulldog man.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: uh, yeah, yeah it's a, it's arousal. <laughs> uh. And then they start having a conversation. Han's like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I'm a little late. I was held up with some stuff. But here's all your money with interest." And I think Pluvo kind of calls him out for being a problem causer. He he says some. He's like, "Yeah, you definitely caused a lot of problems for some other guy with a name that's very similar to mine. Well, I, I, whose name completely escapes me. Oh, Big Bungie.
1: Big Bungee.
0: Yeah, I remember that whole altercation happened when you crossed Big Bungee, Han." <laughs> Oh. Uh, but anyway, they they have a little back and forth that goes on for a while, and then just automatically some Espo soldiers come marching into the building.
1: Yeah, I mean it takes al- looking- almost no time between them sit- sitting down and talking, and a couple Espo officers just nosing around. And he's like, "Hey there, buddy. You wouldn't happen to know anything about that, would you?"
0: Yeah. And here's the thing. Pluvo actually doesn't. And it's his trick is just having Han meet him on this planet.
1: Oh, yeah. Because he's like, Meh. your dumb ship is so tricked out that even with fake credentials and various passes to get into the port, if anyone takes a look at what you've got going on down there, they're like, oh, this has been modded all to hell. Is this street legal? And he
0: So his basic trick to to catch Han here is just that Han probably hasn't kept up with the local authority laws on on ship modifications. uh, So that when he lands on the planet, he's immediately in violation of like 12 different ordinances about how you can build ships. And Pluva doesn't need to do anything. He's just hoping that Han doesn't read new regulations on his way into port.
1: Which, you know, that's a pretty good bet. Hmm.
0: Hmm. I'm sure a pop-up appeared on the Falcon's view screen that was like, "Hey, would you like to take a moment uh, to except, register our new except, changes?" Except,
1: except. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Oh, damn, I yes. Scroll. Thank you.
0: I have to scroll all the way to the bottom of this one before I can click accept. Fuck this. Ugh. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? I need to click all the squares that don't have
1: Wookiee in them.
0: <laughs> oh no, fair! I clicked on the Wookiee square, and another Wookiee square came up. <laughs> Uh why do I have to prove I'm not a robot? It's legal to be a robot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> it's just the uh <laughs> the officers show up and are like, "Hey, hey, are you the person who owns the Sunset Freighter or whatever the dumb crap he is calling the Millennium Falcon so that it doesn't get noticed?"
0: Sunlighter franchise.
1: Sunlighter franchise. Yeah.
0: Sunfighter. Uh, s- is it Sunfighter? Okay, Sunfighter franchise. Uh, but yeah, they come around the table, and Han isn't worried. He's got fake IDs and everything, so he's like, yeah, here's my ID, no problem. And they look at it, and they're just like, oh, hey, are you the captain of the Sunfighter franchise? And he's like, yes, I am.
1: Is there well, a problem? we're here for we've, you. We've definitely yeah. gotten all of the uh, paperwork in order, and everything should be up to code. Yeah, well, it's not. And they're <laughs>
0: It definitely isn't. In fact, it's so out of code that we need to arrest you for it. Because his first thought is, okay, well, I'll go talk to the portmaster after I'm done here then. No problem, okay? And they're like, nope, you're under arrest for how obvious of a smuggling ship you have.
1: (laughs) I mean, they're like, no, no, you're not under arrest at first. They're like, you just need to come with us because we need this taken care of right now.
0: Yeah, but I mean, ultimately, he knows how the espos work, and that, no, you're not under arrest, but you need to come with us is... The same.
1: thing yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs>
0: so, so Han's freaking out because he's trapped between the Espo's and Pluvo. Looks to Chewie to let him know that he's gonna go do stupid shit.
1: <laughs> and of course, Chewie just kind of nods, and he's like, "Yeah, okay, I, I know,
0: I know." <laughs> I feel like that's literally how the two of them work. That it's not, it's not that Han's like, "Hey, Chewie, let's do Plan C." It's more like. Hey, Chewie, I'm going to do dumb idiot shit. And I back need you up. to
1: back me up. All right. And
0: Chewbacca has to, uh, fine. All
1: right, I <laughs> so, will attempt to make you not be dead.
0: I mean, to be fair, though, in this case, Han does have a fairly good distraction lined up. He opens the box.
1: Yeah, he's like, oh, before we leave, of course, don't forget your payment. And open up, opens up the box. And of course, the dinkus flies out and slaps him across the face.
0: Well, I like that before you, when the box opens, Pluvo just jams his hands in there because he's like, money, mmm, money, 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 money.
1: And uh, he <laughs> gets it's... a just a big old fistful of angry asshole lizard.
0: <laughs> Man, I've had a fistful of angry asshole in my life, and it's not great. <laughs>
1: it's my favorite but... cider, angry asshole.
0: <laughs> that, that is... That is so the name of a cider that you could get it like Akumas or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but but yeah, you know the, this this Dinko jumps out and starts straight up mauling Pluvo. I mean, it's the thing is, it's not big enough to really be super dangerous.
1: No, it's not like so it, it comes out just... and murders him. It just jumps out and begins scratching and spraying stink, and he's like, "Get this thing off me!" But. You know, it is clamped down on him.
0: Yeah, it's got its chest pinchers locked onto his stomach, and it's just spinning in place and blasting smell everywhere. And this is so scary to everybody that everyone kind of falls back, and Han manages to punch out an Espo dude and dart to to relative safety behind the bar.
1: Yeah, and Chewie just, you know, takes the two others, donks their heads together, and is like, and taken care of. Mm -hmm.
0: And then they leave, and Pluvo's far too busy dealing with this dinko to really stop them, but he does yell to his goons to stop Han and Chewie, who dive behind a bar and are hiding from the blasters and everything, and everything's going to shit in the bar.
1: Oh yeah, there's some extra Espo forces that were by the door that hadn't actually, you know, come after them, so they've got goons, mm-hmm. they've got security forces, and there's
0: just- And it also, it smells so bad in the bar that everyone's barfing. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah, so it's it's a bad situation, and then Han decides on his escape route, which is pretty clever. He just finds the main gravity control feed and sets all the gravity in the bar, except for the bar itself, to 3.5 times normal.
1: Yeah, he's just like, I will set gravity to very yes everywhere else, and everyone just sort of slams into the floor. Now, thankfully, because of the distraction, he was like, oh, good. Because we started making a ruckus and shooting, everyone that was in the light gravity room actually got down. So I didn't, like, slam a dude from the ceiling to the ground all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, at three times normal gravity. It's, he was especially concerned about the people who were from low-grav planets. Because, like, he's like, oh, you guys are used to, like, quarter-Earth gravity? Well, here's three times Earth gravity.
1: Yeah, now... He's also like, uh, oh, turns out no high grav people here, though, because everybody is just plastered to the floor now.
0: Yeah. Pluvo specifically called out for looking like a bloated, quivering jellyfish because he's big and fat and he's having a hard time moving in heavy grav.
1: So at this point, hey, he's this like, this is all just jamming at the controls. And <laughs> Chewbacca's like, get the fuck out of the way. Let me do this.
0: I really like this. I, I got to call this out. Uh, I, I Hans just sit there messing with it. He's at the extent of his technical capacity, but Chewbacca in this book is actually a technical expert.
1: Yeah, he's an actual for real engineer guy, and he just sort of pushes Han to the side and is like, "You dumb asshole, hold on," and creates a pathway of normal gravity for them to go through, and also make sure that the only people in that pathway are just sort of regular people and not any of Mm -hmm. the goons or security forces
0: yep i i really appreciate that that chewbacca in this book at least in the first two chapters is present invested in what's going on uh not actively angry at han but a little chagrined and also has an expertise beyond threatening to rip off arms oh yeah
1: at this point he hasn't been turned into a glorified babysitter and actually gives a shit about things
0: yeah so that was really nice uh, they manage to escape, and as they make their way outside the building, they pass a group of people who are about to head into the free flight dome, uh, and they're like, whoop, can't go in there. Fronk's fever.
1: Oh no, Fronk's fever.
0: Yeah, and the, uh, the the revelers who are about to enter the bar get scared by the concept of Fronk's fever, which the book makes a point of pointing out to us is uh, made up.
1: It's made up bullshit, just like coronavirus. <laughs> made up! <laughs>
0: Yeah, you could just go outside, everybody. Feel free to try. No, I don't even want to make that joke. Lick I, as uh... many
1: doorknobs <laughs> as ye like.
0: I've already lost an uncle in my family. I, I don't. I, this isn't. No. Uh, so I think that's pretty much where it ends. I think they. Han's just like, great, we escaped. And now to get the fuck off this crappy planet. It is. Oh, he has a little quip. He's like, it's getting tough out there for an enterprising businessman.
1: Ah, small business owners. <laughs>
0: Hey, John, you're a small business owner. Oh, I am. Yeah. Only very recently. We have been way behind the, the regular curve of events for how how big we are versus whether or not we should be an LLC.
1: And boy, we are getting actual, like, mail with System Mastery LLC on it. I'm like, aw, I'm official.
0: <laughs> we grew up. Oh, shoot. Now we have to have opinions about, like, local ordinances and shit. Yeah.
1: Now I have to actually be like, ah, d- Dang. I don't know, Democrats and their non-helping of small business mans.
0: Thanks, Obama, <laughs> for this charming birthday card. Thank you so much. I would love to get one. I mean, granted, my birthday's in December, but still, Obama, come on. Still. The principle of the thing, Barack Obama, sender of a birthday card to me.
1: <laughs> Hopefully.
0: I hope. Uh, Anyway, that's pretty much where we end on these two chapters. Now, let's do a little house-cleaning notes here, John, because we're done with the first two chapters of, uh, what is it, At Star's End? Yes. This book is only 11 chapters long, and we're doing two chapters at a time, so we'll be done pretty quick.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a fairly quick, sort of half-length season
0: uh, now, the reason for that, because the book that we have is some 500-page monster conglomeration of all three of these short stories, but just in case these books get a little repetitive or they're too good for us to really dig into and make fun of, uh, we're going to split them up and use them as needed. I have a few other Star Wars books that are also kind of short and fun, and we're going to be jumping around between them. So you're going to see a lot of half-seasons coming up coming your way. Oh Yeah. Which is going to be fun. I think it's going to be a neat change, and I'm looking forward to it. But uh, you know what's not going to change, John. My underwear. My love for ska music.
1: (laughs) Those two things never change.
0: Never. I have lucky underwear, and I have lucky ska music. And I had some ska bands sign my underwear. Uh, I don't know. I'll pick a couple at random. Streetlight Manifesto and uh, Less Than Jake.
1: (laughs) I've got hippos on my underwear, and it is signed by the hippos. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, I like that band. Uh, anyway, as always, we are going to be keeping up with our tradition of bonus content, which you can find by going to patreon.com slash system mastery and supporting us at the $2 level.
1: Double dollar, double content. So much yeah, stuff. Yeah, double
0: your pleasure. Mm-hmm. At, I mean, basically at that level, if you're a $2 uh, donor, you're getting six episodes a month. Four of them are system or expanded universe bonus content. Uh, expanded expounded universe, two of them are the system mastery bonus episodes, so you're getting a ton of extra content which in this uh in this particular horrible time where all the movies are getting canceled and a lot of t v shows are behind schedule and so on is it's nice to have something that's still coming out
1: It's nice to know that we're still here we're still, we're still doing our thing someone you can believe in miller mm. genuine draft <laughs> America. A
0: horse runs by or something. I don't know. Ford
1: trucks (laughs) here in the heartland.
0: I always love how they try to sell those trucks to like the three people that are working in construction that need their own truck at the construction site.
1: (laughs) Yeah, having worked construction, I'm like, nah, man, I showed up in like a fucking uh, Honda Civic and was like, I don't care. I don't bring anything with me. There is a trailer that has all of the tools in it.
0: But, John, what if they need to drop a bunch of bricks from two stories high and they have to land in the bed of your truck? (laughs) Don't you want your truck to be an expensive one in that situation?
1: Don't you? Don't you wish your truck was expensive like me? Don't you?
0: Yeah. So, uh, anyway, bonus content can be found at our our Patreon website, patreon.com slash System Mastery. Go there and support us and help us stay uh, functional in this scary time because <laughs> we
1: are and barely otherwise... functional at the moment.
0: <laughs> I mean, we're as functional as everybody else. I
1: I assume that everyone else has also turned into a horrible trash goblin.
0: I have uh, that's that's just you. You don't have a one year old. I have a one. She, she kind of keeps me sane because I don't have a choice. Well, oh,
1: yeah, you have something to do during the day.
0: Yeah, I'm exactly as busy as I've ever been. In fact, I'm I'm significantly more busy because uh, my girlfriend is now working from home, uh, which basically means I have to spend the entire day keeping my daughter away from her yes so she could do her job it used to be that I could just let my daughter run around the house like a like a crazy person and all I had to do was like look respectable by the last half hour <laughs> She'd be like all right sage go, go feral it's fine and in the last half hour I'll be like come on sweetie let's read you some
1: books come on let's wipe all this, the mud off of you and uh,
0: <laughs> let's get that rat out of your mouth
1: <laughs> let's go Mom, ahead and Mom, read Mom's book.
0: Gonna be Mom's going to be home soon, and she can't see what you've been doing.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: she can't see that I changed your diaper by just putting another diaper on over that diaper. My baby got double diapers. All of this is satire. I take excellent care of my daughter. Yes. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you real soon with yet more bonus content. Until then, I've been Elan, Slees Boggiano. And
1: I love ball-based economies. All right.